Reference to or information about any specific product or service by name, trade name, trademark, or service mark in this podcast does not constitute an endorsement of that product or service. And now on to the episode. Welcome back to Better Money with Elements Financial. I'm your host, Miranda Finley. I'm a certified financial wellness professional who's worked with thousands of people in all walks of life, and I'm also a real person with real financial experiences. I'll chat from both personal and professional viewpoints to help make your money better. Last episode, Money in Your Early 20s, we covered what we wish we could go back and tell our 20-year-old selves about money. Setting yourself up for stability financially is crucial in early adult life. Knowledge is power after all. But knowledge in the form of higher education is getting increasingly harder to access for many people. Our valued partner, Butler University, is working hard to change this and higher education as we've known it. And today I have Dean Estevez, Executive Director of Butler Strategic Partnerships, to shed light on their innovation. Hey, Dean. Hey, how are you? Good. Thank you so much for being here. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Good. I'm so excited to have you here to talk about everything that Butler is doing, but I want to go back to basics. And for those um, of our listeners that may not know very much about Butler, can you talk about how great Butler is? Sure. I love doing that. It's my favorite thing. Uh, so a uh, little background on Butler for those that may, maybe don't know. So Butler is in the heart of Indianapolis here. So we're in Midtown Indy. Um, we are primarily an undergraduate residential university, have been for many years, founded in 1855. and uh, so approximately 4,500 undergrad students, uh, about 1,000 graduate students uh, spread across six colleges uh, with different areas of specialty, um, many of which are common across a number of universities. Um, and probably most famous for, everybody knows Butler, for the uh, Hinkle Field House, the athletics. It's Hinkle Field House is uh, kind of a cathedral to yeah. college bas- for Go college dogs. basketball, right? And so... Uh, <laughs> movie Hoosiers and all that stuff. Yeah. So, uh, but in uh, many universities tell you, right. So athletics are kind of a front door to university, mm-hmm. even though Butler has become increasingly nationally known over the last 10 years because of final four runs and national mm-hmm. championship game runs, things like that. Uh, most recently we have, uh, really become to be a national player, uh, when it comes to innovation, uh, in education, Definitely doing some unique things at the university to address some of the challenges in higher ed. And I think that that's really where the focus of Butler's uh, strategy will be moving forward. Absolutely. And we've talked a lot about um, how agility is really necessary in your field and not always um, organic or natural to the higher education or post-secondary education. So can you talk about that and what you've developed? Sure. Yeah. So, uh, a couple points there. So you're right. Uh, uh, higher ed is not necessarily known for agility. And in, in many, for many good reasons, a lot of the processes and governance structure and the way that higher ed functions is very, very good because it ensures a very rigorous quality, mm-hmm. uh, high quality yeah. educational experience uh, for Prestige. the students and yeah. pres- all that, mm-hmm. that goes into it. And that's, it's important uh, because you want, there, you want there to be relevance in the education that you're delivering for students. Uh, on the flip side, in my world, so I, I oversee this Office of Strategic Engagement, which is a newer office here at Butler, and it really is an effort for us to uh, make the interaction with higher ed, with Butler University, much easier 
and much more productive. And so our office, uh, we basically brought everything that was externally focused at the university, of which was pre previously in multiple silos. So we, we oversee all corporate relations, foundation relations, government relations, community neighborhood relations, and all education relations. Mm -hmm. That includes K through 12 through post-secondary. Previously, those, those were scattered among different functions at the university and, and fairly difficult for us to navigate at mm -hmm. the university nearly impossible for an external partner who wants to figure out how to solve for some societal need, right. um, very difficult for them to navigate. And so this new office has now provided us line of sight to be able to work across all of those different sectors. Um, and organically, we've learned that the real benefit has come where we can now actually connect dots because everybody's struggling with kind of this overall connectivity problem. And so we have, are in a unique position to actually connect dots across multiple areas. And so how does education work with corporate America to, and maybe our government agencies, economic development agencies, to address very specific workforce needs that affect our communities and neighborhoods and all of that? And so that's been a – I think we, we were hoping that it would have that kind of benefit for us – what I guess we didn't realize is that it would also be we would become a vehicle for others to be able to jump into some of our processes around that. And that gets to the heart of agility. Mm -hmm. So your original question was really about the importance of agility. Because of this kind of new structure, we're able to move much quicker in bringing ideas together across multiple um, functions externally and internally. And then it's upon us to figure out how to get those things moving mm -hmm. forward within our complicated systems, right? So working with the university is like working with a small city. And I was just telling everybody, we will simplify that for you. We will be your front door to the university mm -hmm. and we will worry about that mess behind it. Don't worry about it. Yeah. I think the creation of that office and housing everything in one place shows that it's a real priority to Butler and um, how forward thinking and the forward movement that you're really striving towards um, you mentioned some challenges. We referenced them in the tail end of the last episode, and you just mentioned challenges that you're seeing today. Um, what challenges in, in evolution are we seeing in higher education that we're really looking to address? Yeah, so we're living through a really exciting time, if you ask me. And a lot of people would. I love that you said exciting. I was waiting for unprecedented, <laughs> and I was like, I can't handle it. I can't handle unprecedented one more time. Yeah, no, everyone's living through unprecedented times. <laughs> Uh, honestly, it, it's been with COVID-19 accelerating issues that were already in place. Mm -hmm. And that's really what it was for us. So for us, it was an acceleration of things we already yeah. knew were coming. Well, you were so, talking about like being siloed. So our, our our society is already siloed. Social media makes that harder. And then we headed into, um, you know, stay at home and things like that, that further isolated us from community. Yeah. And and really, so the the disruption that's actually happening in higher ed holistically right now is happening everywhere. Uh, we, and we knew it was coming. So if you just take a look at what a lot of people reference as the demographic cliff, uh, we know that, you know, by mid 2025, 2026, somewhere around there, we were already planning years ago that we knew there were going to be less 18 year olds mm -hmm. um, that will be looking to attend colleges post or any post-secondary experiences just because of population changes. In addition, there have been uh, parts of the country that have experienced uh, even more issues with that. So the Midwest has been particularly challenged. The Northeast has been particularly challenged with movement of population to the South and Southwest. 
So you, we're fighting those headwinds mm -hmm. uh, there as well. And then additionally, technology has created a competitive landscape in training and development, higher education, just education broadly that uh, we've probably not experienced in, in many, many years. And so higher ed truly is going through its first major, major disruption, time of disruption in probably the last couple hundred years. And I think that's really exciting because it forces us to evolve and to innovate in ways that I think many people have had an appetite to do for a lot of years. Mm -hmm. I mean, most of the faculty I talk to at Butler University are, uh, they're aware of the challenges, but they're also very excited because, um, forget about the bad rap that, you know, PR rap that sometimes higher ed gets. The vast majority of people are very purpose driven. Mm -hmm and are very excited to tackle some of the challenges as it relates to improving access to education, uh, improving the relevance of education, of the higher ed, and what that means for people's um, futures, whether it's career futures, just overall success in life. And so there has been, and I'll credit President Danko and our, and our leadership team for creating a culture at Butler where there's definitely been more excitement about changing the status quo than there has been in protecting it. I love that. Yeah. And I'm sure um, in these conversations that you're having, the value proposition of higher education comes up, right? So whether it's worth it to people to receive typical degrees and go through that static four-year college experience. So what are you seeing there? So, so certainly uh, the consumer is also changing. And so uh, to the, you know, our students of all types and backgrounds and ages as the consumer of training, education, that is definitely changing significantly. So the expectation of what students have of a, an educational experience has changed. COVID has certainly accelerated that mm -hmm. change. Uh, the introduction of new technologies has, has definitely changed that. But again, it was heading that way anyway. And so anybody that says they're surprised by this really shouldn't. Yeah. Be. And so uh, the expectations that students have today uh, around not just the transfer of knowledge, which I think historically people think about higher ed as being more focused on kind of the transfer of knowledge. Right today, nowadays, the, the access to knowledge is fairly cheap and easy. And so how you apply that knowledge, mm -hmm. um, the experiences that are a part of that, the real, the real life growth that happens in, in, and this will get back to why our office is working the way it is, in the connectivity with everybody else. Mm -hmm. They talk, a lot of people will talk about innovation as being uh, the intersection of different disciplines and meeting in the middle and finding something new in the middle. And that's what education needs to do. And so we, we can only evolve if we look outward and co-build, co-develop, co-create new solutions for the students' expectations uh, of the future. And I know you said you mentioned that this shouldn't be a surprise and that higher education has been anticipating this disruption for a while. And, and Butler has been working on it. We talked about how in 2017 you did a, a huge evaluation on what this disruption was going to look like and what you needed um, in order to survive and thrive through this disruption to make sure that education was being delivered in ways that were accessible. Um, so what did that look like? So our leadership team. They brought our trustees together uh, and we brought a lot of ex outside experts from 
inside higher ed and well outside higher ed to take a look at how industries have evolved and changed and been disrupted and how what their response to those things have been and what might we take away from those types of things and, and apply to our own you know business operations and so uh, through that process uh, we were coming and maybe it'll be helpful if I give you a, be helpful if I give you a little background so when President Danko started one of our first strategic plan was very much built around improving the infrastructure at Butler University to be able to get to the point where we could accelerate the innovation that was inevitably going to take place. Mm -hmm. And so for those people that may have been on campus years ago, if you go on campus today, it'll look like a very so different, different place. So it's beautiful, it is, but it's very different. There's been a lot of capital improvements. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a brand new uh, state-of-the-art business school uh, building. We have uh, $100 million that have been invested in new STEM, science, mm -hmm. technology-related uh, programs and, and facilities, uh, new state-of-the-art dorms. So we talked a little bit about um, the consumer changing, the, student, the, ex the expectations students have. Mm -hmm. That includes the entire living experience, the residential experience. So while Butler continues to be um, very successful in providing our undergraduate residential experience, we had to build up our infrastructure to meet the needs of future students. Our first strategy was really based around that, Butler 2020. So in 2017, uh, as we started thinking forward about now that kind of that foundation has been set, now how do we move forward, really hitting the accelerator on innovating in space of higher ed, new programs, new delivery systems, new modalities, all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. That's where that process started. And it's led to a three-year process starting in 2017 where we have come out and, and developed what we call our Butler Beyond Strategic Direction. And it is much more focused on external collaboration. Uh, so like I mentioned, our office was created to be a connector and facilitator with many uh, future partners across many, many sectors that maybe people wouldn't traditionally mm -hmm. assume would be connected to education in general. Um, and then also expand the offerings uh, and really diversify the types of educational solutions that a university could and should provide so we can offer increased access to a wider pool of students, reduce barriers and financial barriers are obviously the most significant ones for most people, but mm -hmm. there are plenty of other barriers mm -hmm. as well. And so our new strategy is focused on diversifying our, our educational approach, serving a bigger, broader, um, and more diverse student population. Uh, and fortunately, Every employer is doing the same thing. Uh, our, our government is doing the same thing. Every, our communities and neighborhoods, they're all doing the same thing. So uh, it's really been exciting to go through this pretty major disruptive culture change within higher ed, but not necessarily feel like we're very alone in it. And right. so we have been welcomed to the table with all of our external partners mm -hmm. to be part of finding solutions around all of this. Um, and the excitement's actually been really high. So it's, it's great in my role because everybody's excited to see me. And they're like, wow, we, we can't wait for Butler to be involved. Uh, so it makes my job fun. That commitment to sitting at that table and learning what, um, what the government is doing, what school systems are doing, what employers are doing, different industries. I think it just shows that um, you're really looking to take what you do and expand it to serve that wider audience that you're talking about. So I love to hear that that's happening. There's a lot of pioneering happening happening with Butler Beyond and what you're working on. Um, and across my research, I found a definition on disruptive innovation. 
So it was initially coined by Harvard business professor Clayton Christensen, um, which is a familiar name to you, right? Uh, yep. Um, and it refers to innovations that challenge established norms to improve upon them, keeping up with changes over time. So that's exactly what it sounds like your office is doing. You know, we've discussed that traditional residential education is no longer as feasible to the majority of learners. So with the structure that you guys currently have, how are you going to move to make education more feasible for those that maybe can't see spending um, the amount of money on a private four-year education or can't see taking four years out of the workforce to set aside time for education? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question, and it's the heart of what we're trying to innovate for in higher ed, specifically at Butler. And I, I will say that we are actually referencing, to, you mentioned innovative disruption. Mm -hmm. Okay, so uh, at Butler, we are, our president often refers to it as Butler's need for dual transformation. And so we are highly successful. Um, we deliver an incredible experience. Uh, every, all of the outcomes and metrics on student learning are, are really, really positive for Butler's traditional undergrad experience. We want to continue to do that. That will continue to be a major part of what Butler is and will always be. And in fact, we want to enhance everything that we're doing in that regard. Uh, so that's kind of where the tradition meets innovation side of the dual transformation. But it, it can't be an or scenario anymore. And so it needs to be an and scenario. So the innovation side will come uh, now as we put some structures in place to help us expand access and the ability to bring partners together uh, to solve for societal needs, education needs, workforce needs, whatever those things might be. And then, then a couple specific things that are, are structurally that our leadership has done was launch a, a couple new structures uh, underneath a, what we call our Butler Ventures umbrella, which is really kind of the part of the university uh, that I would describe as that is not super common in higher ed, but it's fairly common in, in more for-profit corporate America where you actually take your innovation unit and you actually pull it aside so it's not encumbered mm -hmm. with all of the traditional, um, well, we, that's not, not the way we've ever done this mm -hmm. or we've always done it this way type stuff and actually force it out a little bit um, with the, the proper connectivity to the main body still, right? So you can still feed information and evolution back and forth but actually separate a little bit. And, and within that structure, we've actually launched what we call our transformation lab, which is basically similar to a corporate R&D hub mm -hmm. where we can actually uh, source all kinds of ideas, either from inside the university or outside the university. In fact, the last time I checked, I pulled up the stats on where the things that are running through our laboratory right now. We have, I think, 50 different business ideas or new program ideas or new venture ideas, things like that, that are running through the the eight stage process mm -hmm. in our lab, uh, 20 of those have actually been sourced from the community just through our office, whether it's been an employer with an idea or a neighborhood that has an idea about placemaking or um, stuff that we're doing in partnership with government or nonprofits uh, or even K through 12. So those ideas are being uh, brought into our lab and then we work on them collectively with those partners. And so that's the, really the exciting work that we're doing to help address real needs and to address accessibility because when you work together with potentially with an employer you can find new ways to make the business model work for students to go through new types of programs that meet uh, very specific employer needs that give new opportunities for people to learn skills that help them get that first job mm -hmm. 
And, and, then, and then as we work through that process, we also are, are working to break apart that traditional four-year program into you know, micro-credentials that are, can stack into maybe a certificate. So you start off with a micro-credential that's very skill-based, that helps you get your first job, and you can stack that into maybe an undergraduate certificate. And that might stack into uh, a new two-year program that we're working on at Butler that might get you an associate's degree. And then we're also working on some bachelor's completion-related stuff. The idea being that maybe the whole, the whole concept where uh, you take four years after high school for the wonderful experience that if everybody could, could go through it, oh, yeah. I would recommend it. Ideally. Right, like If we could mm-hmm. offer it to everybody on earth, it would be fantastic. You have to see the business model that makes that work. <laughs> but how could we break that apart in ways where you can still provide the value proposition of what that experience yeah. could be like, but make it more attainable yeah. for people that you have, have to barriers. make it make sense. Right. Yeah. So if you're talking about heading directly into the workforce, because maybe the traditional uh, residential education doesn't make sense for you, but you have been working a job, you work your way up and there's a certification that's required for the next step or the next pay grade. Um, there's something that you would like to learn to explore a different part of your career, um, a certification um, or even associate's degree that would launch you into a different career or a different place. That education makes sense for you at that point in time. So I love that you're piecemealing it so that people can get the education when it makes sense for them. Is that what I'm hearing? It, that's exactly what you're hearing. And in reality, you're, we're the way I think about it sometimes is we're really trying to build a system where we can turn the currency of that education over to the student uh, much sooner than just re- having it completely reside at the institution that's granting whatever that credential is. And so all learning should be valued as learning. All experiences should be valued as experiences that help a person grow. Traditionally, higher ed is not approached experiences and learning that way. We have a very rigorous approach to delivering the learning that we are going to provide and mm-hmm. the experiences that we are going to provide that add up to traditional credentials. And again, it's, it's fantastic. But we also have to meet students halfway where they're at, where mm-hmm. they're at and, and figure out how experiences in the workforce that they are um, gathering throughout that process also can count towards credit for educational attainment, new types of credentials and new types of credentials that can lead into traditional credentials. Again, so we're trying to remove the or scenario out of this. There's no reason why there has to be an or. You don't have to choose work or education. You should be doing both at the same time. Yeah. And for that to work, it means that we need to be working hand in hand with employers. It means we as higher ed need to be working hand in hand with the government in, in relation to workforce and skill development programming and different nonprofits for student uh, support wraparound because that, that opens up an entirely different student population that need an entirely different set of wraparound services to help them navigate kind of this new pathway. Mm-hmm. And so those are all of the things that we're investing in and uh, in, in building out business cases, business models out of our transformation lab in a very formalized, innovation-focused way. And then we've also launched a new division of professional studies, is what we're currently calling it, uh, which is really focused. It's You can almost kind of think of it as a seventh college, but it's really focused on very market-based or workforce skill-based programming. And so uh, we talk about a 60-year uh, curriculum 
uh, where we st we're starting to work with students in high school to already start building out credentialed pathways, whether it's dual crediting, apprenticeship, modern youth apprenticeship, all of that, um, that use work and learn models to start earning credit for traditional post-secondary experience, which may or may not be a four-year residential or more of a uh, permeable experience mm -hmm. where it might take somebody eight years doing multiple micro-credentials yeah. while they work, all the way through uh, additional skill-based things well into somebody's career. And so the idea being that the education and the learning that you can take should be part of a package that a, a student, every person, every professional carries with them mm -hmm. as a part of their toolkit, and it belongs to them, not to us. You've referenced um, making sure the education is applicable um, and transferable to real life skill sets, right? And so that's important to Butler in the traditional sense. But I think in this piecemeal option of a, of a lifelong student, to be able to go back and receive that education in increments where the person can understand the application of what they're learning. So if they have some experience in the workforce, they know why they might see that skill set. They see a need um, that they would like to learn to do something in their job that makes them um, more efficient, more effective, um, more valuable to the company that they work for or a company that they would like to work for. And then they can go receive that education and understand the context in which um, I can remember sitting in a, you know, a higher education classroom at 18, having no idea how I was going to apply or understanding why I needed to know what I was being taught. So I, I like that this, it, it, it just makes, it makes sense for people in the way it needs to. I think all of higher ed is certainly evolving this way, but they're certainly accelerating everything that we're doing to be much more work learn in nature. Uh, I think we were, we've long been considered um, an innovator in the space of experiential learning, but we are just, we're doubling and tripling down on that type of a, approach. So as a, as a four, so a private four-year kind of highly ranked university, with which we are, people are often find, uh, surprised to find out that we are very heavily engaged with the state of Indiana as we're approaching a new modern youth apprenticeship approach to new ways for students to find paths into careers, whether that may or may not go through the traditional higher ed. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we're also doing uh, one of the other initiatives that we're doing um, to really push the envelope on education innovation is in addition to uh, our transformation lab and our new division of professional studies under this new Butler Ventures kind of agile innovation unit. Um, we are also, uh, we've also launched what we call our Indiana Venture Network, Higher Ed Venture Network, uh, which Butler's leading, which is actually a partnership with a number of venture capital organizations uh, in, the, in the area here, uh, other universities. And we're very focused on uh, new education entrepreneurial models. And so uh, this is another area where I think a lot of people would be surprised that instead of uh, a lot of the solutions that will be identified, developed, and then delivered to solve for some of the access issues in education will actually come from entrepreneurs. Whether it's new ed tech companies that are started up to help solve for student wraparound needs or just content delivery or managing experiences. There's a whole host of um, opportunities that will come through new ventures that are going to be started by entrepreneurs. And so in the old mold of higher education, we would see that as a competitor. And how do we protect ourselves from right. that, that competitor? Uh, that is not how we are thinking. Mm -hmm. So we've actually launched our own 
uh, venture network so we can actually invest in those companies because we actually want to bring them in-house. We want to work closely with them because we know those solutions we can learn from and we can test some of those ideas. And so why treat them like a competitor when they can be a partner? And so that's an entirely other approach that we're having to try and accelerate innovation. Yeah, absolutely. And you've talked about um, your the Transformation Lab and some things that um, are currently being worked on and then some things that have come from that. Is there anything that you can share? So sure. We Like I said, we have probably 20 different um, ideas we've sourced from employers uh, or other partners, anywhere from neighborhoods to nonprofits mostly large employers that have very specific workforce needs. And I will say early on, we are very focused on opportunities and workforce because of the ability to uh, partner with employers, Mm -hmm. potentially create new financial models where we might be able to reduce the financial barriers that a lot of students are currently finding exist for um, in their choice of post-secondary options. And so a couple of things that we've uh, we built out, like, like I said, we have about 20 of these in place right now. Uh, we've recently launched, and it was actually during the pandemic, something called the United Healthcare Academy. Uh, we've worked closely with United Healthcare to build out a four-year program that uh, is really kind of an exciting program because- I they, am so excited about this. <laughs> they, they, have a, they have a desperate need for um, new salespeople. Mm-hmm. They want to diversify their workforce. Uh, it's very difficult. Everybody- talks about the difficulty in finding talent anywhere now. Mm-hmm. And so we partnered with them to actually open up our books on our four-year curriculum out of our Lacey School of Business. We took a look at what a traditional marketing degree would look like, and then the very specific knowledge, skills, and abilities that United Healthcare uh, needs from a sales perspective. Uh, and there are multiple sales roles that we looked at. They are both entry-level and then a more mature, um, developed mm-hmm. sales roles. And we combined those two things together and created a four-year program where at the end of the program, the students that are accepted into this program um, will graduate Butler with a, the same marketing degree that every other marketing major will get. In addition, they will have a four-year work experience um, that they'll be doing at United Healthcare specific to the roles that they will be going into as a part of that academy. United Healthcare, in addition to all the financial aid that we are offering as a part of our normal financial mm-hmm. aid package, United Healthcare is providing a work learn type compensation model for the students, which, uh, depending on which path the student chooses, might cut another half off the cost of the entire education. So uh, there, there conceptually could be students that end up getting a free education going through Butler in the United Healthcare Academy with a combination of Butler's financial aid package and the subsidy and work learn model that United Healthcare is offering. So that's one example of kind of the traditional undergrad experience. Um, we've also worked very closely with Salesforce. But one thing recently that we've done is we've created a what we call a degree plus certificate model. So for students that are going through the normal uh, kind of four-year experience, mm-hmm. uh, we've actually had uh, employees from Salesforce and other organizations that are working in the Salesforce ecosystem actually offer a 15-week course in addition to what the students are normally going through. And it's open to anybody at the university. Mm -hmm. So we run cohorts of typically about 15. The professors for those courses are actually the employees at Salesforce. They're teaching them kind of, they're working in the trailhead system, teaching them all of the fundamentals of CRM or marketing or whatever they're working towards. 
and that it actually is building towards taking the Salesforce administrator certification test at the end, of which Salesforce is then paying for, for mm -hmm. the students. And so most of the students are going through that, that are going through that process are getting that certification at the end. Uh, and we, we've seen students, and get this question all the time, right? So we have students, students that are like poli-sci majors or history majors or whatever. They're in the liberal arts, and they're learning all these unbelievably valuable communication and soft skills that we talk about. In addition, if they want to do some of these degree plus cert type models, you can do that plus get an industry certification that makes it a lot easier to get your first job. And these are very well-paying jobs. And I'm sure everybody out there knows how difficult it is to find a Salesforce administrator at your organization. We all need them. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, I'll briefly mention one more that maybe you wouldn't think uh, would be going through this. But in addition, we've also partnered with uh, one of the largest child care centers in the state of Indiana. This is actually, from a societal perspective, that we're probably in crisis mode here nationally. We certainly are in the state of Indiana. There is just a lack of early childhood teachers. We do not have enough early childhood centers that are available and accessible to uh, people that need them so they can get into the workforce. And right now, you need a four-year degree in order to get that license, uh, which is a fairly pricey proposition no matter where you go, given given that those teachers don't necessarily make that much mm -hmm. money. So getting back to our whole conversation around return on investment, yep. which I know we've had, that's a tough kind of path to go. And so we've worked with this early childhood uh, center to develop an entirely new credential that is a one-year work-learn program that will be delivered out of our Division of Professional Studies underneath this new innovation unit because it has more flexibility to do so. Um, that will be stackable into future degrees should the teachers want to go on and get future degrees. But it provides, and it's provided by our same College of Education faculty that do all of the teacher prep stuff. So it's a highly rigorous program with the, the goal of providing very high quality preschool, early childhood teachers in an applicable model mm -hmm. where they're learning and working the same day, actually in the centers while they learn. Uh, and it, we've gotten that down to a one-year program at a cost of $10,000. So if you, if you talk about the opportunity to create access for um, students to pursue their passions and things that they want to go do, um, but then also solving for societal needs. Meeting a dire need. I mean, think about the cost of a four-year degree versus that. And the goal being that we would still want all of those people to get a four-year degree, but what, it's a tough pill to swallow to say, go do that and then go make a 20, you know, go take a $25,000 a year job. Right. So why can't we break that apart? Why can't we make that more accessible? If we, if we just work together, we can do these things. So I'm really excited about that. I believe we're launching the first cohort of students this fall. Uh, that is out. excellent. And we hope that it will um, actually create transformative change in how we deliver education as a state and even nationally. I just feel very privileged to live in a community that is affected by the work that Butler is doing. So thank you. Um, for doing everything that you're doing in our community for our state. Um, and I'm so excited to watch how Butler continues to innovate in this space. Um, and I will definitely be keeping my eye out for certifications that make sense for what I do, because I would love to be a part of what you're doing. If people want to find out more um, or if they want to uh, financially contribute to the projects that Butler's working on, where can they find information? So a couple places. So if you just go to our website, the external office that um, I'm blessed to lead is called our Office of Strategic Engagement. It's positioned under our president's office. You'll find a web presence there for any organizations that may be look, looking to solve for anything you can think of, whether it's talent needs, workforce needs, um, leadership training, 
community development, anything you could think of, uh, you'll find a way to get in touch with my team there. Uh, and then in, in addition, with a lot of the new um, kind of new innovation stuff, uh, we also have a, a section of our website that's focused, I think it's under our strategy and innovation department, and, and that's led by one of our VPs. It's a VP-level position, Melissa Beckwith. You will find uh, information about Butler's progress on these new strategic initiatives under the strategy and innovation section. You may also look for Butler beyond new strategic direction. Uh, we provide consistent and transparent updates through that process and on that website a lot. Well, thank you so much. I love that you were able to join us. And thank you for joining us on Better Money with Elements Financial as we talked about innovation in higher education with Butler University. Thanks, Dean. Thanks for having me. We hope you were able to take something away from this. Find more episodes at elements.org slash better money or anywhere you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to rate and review. Reach out at bettermoney at elements.org with any questions that you may have. And we'll see you next time.